Humanity is mediocre. The majority of women are neither superior nor inferior to the majority of men. They are all equal. They all merit the same scorn. The whole of humanity has never been anything but the terrain of culture, source of the geniuses and heroes of both sexes. But in humanity as in nature, there are some moments more propitious for such a flowering. In the summers of humanity, when the terrain is burned by the sun, geniuses and heroes abound. We are at the beginning of a springtime. We are lacking in solar profusion. That is a great deal of spilled blood. Enough of those women whose arms with twining flowers resting on their laps on the morning of departure should be feared by the soldiers. Women as nurses perpetuating weakness and age, domesticating men for their personal pleasures or their material needs. Enough of women who create children just for themselves, keeping them from any danger or adventure, that is any joy, keeping their daughter from love and their son from war. Enough of those women, the octopuses of the hearth, whose tentacles exhaust men's blood and make children anemic. Women in carnal love who wear out every desire so it cannot be renewed. Those were selections from Valentine de Saint-Point's Manifesto of Futurist Woman. Hello and welcome to the Manifest Image. I'm Thomas Greengrass. And I'm Ariel Delagarza. Now, by now, you should know our MO. We look at manifestos roughly chronologically. We bring out their ideas, evaluate them from our modern perspective, as well as imagine what creatives at the time would have made of them. <laughs> it's for those of you interested in art, literature, sculpture, fashion, criticism, history, architecture, perhaps theatre. Long Who, walks on the beach. Yeah, long walks on the beach. Who knows whatever else. Oh, God help you. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Yeah. It was very beautifully read. Now, Thank you. Ariel, Ariel, who are we looking at? Valentine de Saint-Point from 1875 to 1953. A brand new face of futurism. <laughs> We've mentioned Boccioni and Cara and Rousselot and we'll continue going back to this. And of course, F.T. Marinetti. But we got someone new. <gasps> wow, you're... you're, you're way too excited yeah. <laughs> yes we do we have Valentine de Saint-Point the French provocateur and author and artist yeah a performance artist mm-hmm. a dancer writer activist intellectual as well as a, a, a muse for a lot of this she, she yes she was apparently a model for Mucha and Rodin um, but was also generally very important mm. in loads of other and she's got a pseudonym it's, of course, Valentine de Saint-Point. It's not her real name. No, it's Anne-Jean Delon de Cessiat Versel. Ah. That's a lovely name. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. But no, so she's deeply ingratiated with lots of artistic movements. Uh, she also has ties to the cerebrist um, uh, artist. Uh, would you recite, give me the name? Uh, yes. Ricciotto Canudo. Yep, which we'll come mm-hmm. to. And, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's quite important for her. She's, very she's, important. Yeah. Yeah. They, they went to, to the similar salons in Paris, and her salon was actually quite... Um, struggling to come up with a good word, but I guess effervescent. Jesus Christ. That's a, that is a good word. Oof. That's a good word. Yeah, okay. Well, it was, it was <clears throat> very concurred. Apollinaire was there. Uh, Picasso would go. Mm. So lots of important avant-garde artists of the time um, found their way into the same circles that she was in. And by the time she writes her manifesto, this one specifically, the Manifesto of Futurist Woman, 
um, she's already made somewhat of a name of herself in Paris um, and in the artistic circles of the time. Mm-hmm. But this does catapult her to another level. And this manifesto, and then subsequently the manifesto we'll look at, the, um, the Manifesto of Lust. Yeah, Manifesto of Lust. Um, that one will also be very important for her and for her work. And these will be the most influential things she does, although she then goes on to do many other things. Um, she was also a dancer, model, all these things. As, as but, the, she'll, but then she'll then go on to do other political work yeah. and some anti-colonialist stuff. She will she convert to Islam the in the future. Yeah. Yeah. She breaks this uh, Marinetti and mm-hmm. futurism by 1914. So it's not long after she actually writes uh, the uh, Manifesto of Lust. Mm-hmm. Uh, very strange, strangely enough, we'll see in this one and in the subsequent manifesto that she actually exalts war, but she breaks with Marinetti and the others because of the warmongering mm-hmm. um, and just says, actually, no, probably something like stick to the violence within your energetic passions when it comes to physicality of the sensual. Yeah, the nice stuff you can, you can relate to and, you know, thinking maybe you're feeling a bit edgy and aggressive, but, but it, maybe not it, but all even the, the way. But the in this Marinetti, manifesto yeah. that she's giving... I mean, she gets them. It it does. There's a lot of blood, mm -hmm. a lot of violence and cruelty. And it's for those reasons that she seems to break with them. Yeah. So she does a strange 180. Mm -hmm. But the dance you mentioned. Yeah. It's it's quite interesting because you see this all the time, that when it comes to artists and intellectuals and various movements, when you first come to them, you get all these starter courses, these 101s, where they come up with strong caricatures where they try to divide, distinguish them and divide them up. So in philosophy, we'll have seen this with uh, deontology, specifically Kantianism uh, uh, and um, uh, utilitarianism, where one is about happiness and the other one is about duty. But actually, when you read Kant, you see that actually happiness is, plays a very big role for him. And as does ideas of duty and dignity and similar things within utilitarians. And so they end up being far closer um, and far more complicated. But... Amongst the futurists, we have some neat little caricatures to put forward where each of the big names has their own kind of project. So Rousselot, who we'll come to, uh, is very big in music. He does a lot of stuff with music. Um, Boccioni is the big art theorist and sculptural theorist. Uh, Cara will do stuff with, uh, on the idea of war and a little bit of political stuff. Mm-hmm. Valentin de Saint-Point. Marinetti poetry. Marinetti poetry Mm -hmm. Uh, and Valentine de Saint-Point she does a bit of everything but she's the only one who really embraces the medium of dance and so it's just interesting that if you're looking at how dance is brought in if you're I don't know someone who's interested in ballet or any kind of dance really Why, why did you laugh right there Thomas I didn't laugh yeah yeah you sneered there was a little snicker there where you said ballet because I know you're a big fan, Ariel. Anyway, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Come from a long line of ballet dancers. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, so I, that's just one of those wonderful little things that it actually works out quite well. That almost all of the big names they have their own particular area that you can dig in. And uh, she does write, and she mentions in this uh, manifesto some of her poetry, and she also did performances um, in 1913. Um, it was actually called uh, Metachori. That was... Metachori? Metachori. Metachori? Say it again, Ariel. Metachori? It, yeah. sounds, it sounds like a, like a dish I wouldn't mind eating. Well, it's taken from the Greek. 
Okay. <laughs> and it means, no, uh, if you take it rather literally, uh, so beyond I, the dance. So I clearly... Oh, yeah, like choreography. Yeah. Metachori, meta you mean. Not metachori. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but no, it was actually quite closely tied to a lot of ballets. So, so clearly now the listeners know we're both idiots. <laughs> hey, I always give the pronunciation of things to you. And I, then, I, and, I then, and I then mispronounce them. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Who knows, mm-hmm. it might be meta... It's not going to be meta, sorry. No. Uh, um, but no, she's, she has this a deep idea of sensuality and the flesh and, and, and deep passion for the body. Um, and uh, what I love is when she first d- does this metachory, as yeah, we're yeah. now calling it, um, at the Paris 1930... Um, um, show of it Mm -hmm. it begins with a theoretical (laughs) explanation so you know the idea of show don't tell yeah they literally tell they're like oh by the way this is what this means i mean manifestos are telling not showing aren't they yeah i know but we've talked that part of the whole mo ariel you know our mo by now Part of the whole thing is that manifestos themselves are an art form. No, they are. So they're exactly. not, you know, but, but it's, it's showing, specific... not telling, but actually it is all. Yeah, you try to, you try to show through telling, I get, which is the, 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 the most banal, meaningless thing anyone's ever said. Because um, clearly that's what anything written will do, I guess. But. Oh. <laughs> but. Uh, wow. Praise but, for the yeah, written they, word there. <laughs> but, they, but they really do. Listener, if you bother reading. What are you doing with your life? No, it's fine. That's <laughs> what I mean. Ariel does not approve. No, but you, doing a manifesto is, yeah. is not doing the painting, right? And that was the whole point of last week's, well, the week before last's yeah. episode. True. True. That's, no, yeah, yeah, no, that's good enough. in part. Um, okay, so where are we with Valentin de Saint-Point? And mm. do you perhaps want to give us a little summary of what she said i will give you a summary but first i want to address the subtitle it's called manifesto of futurist woman what's the subtitle a response, response. yes of to course marinetti. Marinetti. that's right so we know that whatever we're coming up against here it's directed against him. And in particular, we find from the very beginning, it's a response to the, I think it's the Foundation of Futurist Manifesto, Manifesto Declaration 9. Declaration 9, the famous Declaration 9. We wish to glorify war, the sole cleanser of the world, militarism, patriotism, the destructive act of a libertarian, beautiful ideas worth lying for, and scorn for women. That the worth last. dying for. Wait, the scorn is worth dying for? No, you said lying for. Did I? Yeah. I... Ah. Well, that's it. We're going to have to scrap the whole podcast. <laughs> Start over again. But, okay. Uh, so, my summary begins, obviously, with Futurist Manifesto, Declaration 9. Egalitarian merit and mediocrity. An analogy from nature. Introducing femininity and masculinity. Key ideas here. Masculine is brutal animal. Feminine is female or girl. A brief history of historical and artistic greatness. Next, we have... We are living in a time where everyone lacks virility. And of course, like all good manifestos, the cure, a dogma of energy. We have to keep up that futurist point. Brute animal must be the model of our time. What idea of woman Saint-Pois opposes, 
What Idea of Woman, She Advocates, the story of Catherine Sforza. An addre- uh, she wants us to address women, but not feminism. More declarations before the end, for women to find cruelty, etc., etc., for men to be freed from the family, and for women to... S- well, <laughs> a woman stopping war is inferior to a whore. <laughs> the prostitute. Did, did you did you did you have to rhyme that? <laughs> I did. You did. You did have to rhyme. I that. did. Oh man. I did, and that's. And we've just lost eighty five percent of our or twenty. I don't know what our statistics are. No. Mm, okay. Right. Did you like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good. It's good. Okay. Now, so I want you to sum up futurism. To, to sum up the, the whole yes. the whole the whole movement. Yes. In two what words, have we no. looked at so far? So, so far, we've looked at the foundational manifesto. Mm. We've looked at several technical manifestos for painting. Mm. And I believe we've looked at traditionalist Venice as well as Kill the Moonlight. In all of these different manifestos, they've laid out their core ideas, which are roughly energy, automobilism, speed, um, this to constantly evolve, to never be stagnant, mm. and to destroy everything that's come before and banish all forms of traditionalism through aggressive means. So glorifying war is an important part. Yeah? Is that, uh, no, that yeah, 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 no, that's okay. exactly, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm sweating, spot, yeah. No, so... Because I'm now going to ask you... She's taking up the declaration here, number mm-hmm. nine, where it specifically has a problem with women. But you've just mentioned all this stuff about dynamism and energy, etc., and violence. I was going to ask you, is this manifesto that starts to introduce ideas of femininity and masculinity, moves mm-hmm. forward and tries to uh, save and put forward a new idea of woman, is this futurist? Yeah. I think it is. I think it's very futurist. All right. Well, that was very good. Good. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah. No. No. But I. 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 I do. I do think it's futurist. It has. I think all of the main points. No. She talks about. Um, then what's her problem then? Why is she responding then? What's wrong? Well, to the scorn for women, because it, so Marinetti seems to think, or at least has implied thus far. Although not maybe in Kill the Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Mm-hmm. That women can't be futurists. That there is something to their essence that is somehow backward looking or that is to do with caring as opposed to destroying that is somehow antithetical to the violent, virile energy that is required to bring about the future uh, in, in a constant cyclical devenir yeah giving great confidence to even the slightest of whims to enact it yeah yeah it, it i mean it is a very traditional version of masculinity i guess mm. one um that it's like a, like a captain on the you know bow of a ship um bracing against whatever may come venturing forth into the unknown powerfully and you know like that (laughs) 
And I'm afraid that this is what we're going to see still in this one. Yeah. Her theory of masculinity no, of course, and femininity but, but the is, thing is exactly that. It's but true, she, but she starts... In a specific way. She puts it forward in a specific way, and I think she starts seeing, I, I, I guess, chipping away at these these essentialist ideas that I think for Marinetti are important to exclude women from his movement. So in Kill the Moonlight, for example, mm -hmm. very early on in the first part, he actually has this example of why do we hate women? And it's, well, they're, they're holding our legs whilst we're marching off to war. Right, which, which, which Sanquin mentions yeah. here too. I, I read it out at the beginning, right? Exactly. So she's very much picking up that, that idea, but she's going to carve out a new kind of way forward. She's going to say that, sure, I hate this woman as well, but there is a different type of woman that we do like. But then, uh, but her theory. What, what do you, what do you? So what do you think? Before you continue, do do you think? Okay. Do you think women can be futurist? According uh, oh. to the futurists so far. Uh, yeah, no, obviously. I think uh, absolutely because there's a, a question here whether this is a uh, some sort of splinter movement. Mm -hmm. Whether this is futurist, but this is some quite futurist. It's no longer one cohesive futurist thing that's being sort of held by this core group of people. I think it still very much is that, mm -hmm. uh, and that she puts forward. In fact, she reads this out, doesn't she? Um, yeah, yeah, she reads it out uh, a few times. Once, I think June 4th, 1912, at the Galerie Giroux in French, in, 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 in Paris. And then second, uh, it's her lecture called La Femme et le Futurisme. And then a second time in uh, June of the same year at the Salgavo. Um, and then once more in 2013, uh, 2013, that's not right, in 1913, yes. um, at the Gallerias Proveri in Rome. Now, at least in the first two, I'm not sure about the last, at least in the first two, um, Marinetti was present and, in fact, acting as some form of a bodyguard. Um, like, I, I guess there's all this lore of futurist evenings being oh so violent and exciting, and therefore you would need strong bodyguards in the form of middle-aged intellectuals <laughs> <laughs> to defend you against the punches again, were flying exactly Ariel. to defend you, you against the, the, the type of guy that goes to an artistic soiree <laughs> exactly. in paris in the 1912s yeah there's a great story of victor hugo just to, just to take us off for a moment <laughs> where um there was he would put on this uh, particular uh, there was a particular recital and they expected a rhyme to be carried over and he didn't carry over the rhyme so apparently they rioted <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't believe that i think this is nonsense <laughs> they were that e uh, keen-eared apparently but... when when brecht's three penny opera finally debuted there was like riots as well and people threw things they might have thrown things yeah right but it was just because <laughs> you're terrible no no it's it's fun it's a, it's a great it's a great play but it's it's interesting anyway. how marinetti uh, and other members like boccioni and severini are also present and acting out and helping yeah, no, out it's, and sort of it's, they're all in a dialogue it's not entirely certain to what extent marinetti would wind up agreeing with um what she says he doesn't seem to revise his view on, on women and, and their ability to participate in futurism, as, as I think we will cover in later episodes, right? Yeah. We will cover the... Um, it's his text called for women. Contempt for Women. Yeah. Um, Which is a more political work, actually. Yeah. And it'll bring in suffragettes. I mean, everything. we're very, very quickly, at least for futurism, careening into politics. They, they were the from the start. Weeks, but yeah. for the next few weeks, I mean, futurism is very, has, has those ambitions. Um, mm. And Saint-Point, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I think my, my last 
plainly historical comment, in 1914, Marinetti will offer her a place in the official futurist infrastructure, the official futurist bureaucracy, as head of of something or other. Um, wow. So well, look, it doesn't matter because she didn't take the job, okay? No. That's good. <laughs> Minister of something, yes. Um, <laughs> head of something or other. <laughs> it doesn't matter. She, she, no, yeah. she refuses. She refuses. Um, and then goes off. But it is interesting to ask to what extent she was a futurist. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know to what extent she was a futurist. She had these ideas, apparently, from before the futurist movement. Mm. So she may have been using the movement to get more exposure for herself, to, to kind of um, grow. But nonetheless, she makes a significant contribution to it and to her own, to her own theoretical work through these two manifestos. So whether or not we classify her as a futurist or she classified herself as a futurist, she is very important in the futurist movement. Oh, I think she undoubtedly classified. Yeah. I'm, I can't be that cynical to think that she was just trying to put herself forward. She's already got some recognition. No, but she, but she may have... I mean, so she wasn't as... But what I mean by it is that she wasn't as passionately engaged by the movement, perhaps, as Cara or Boccioni. Mm. Um, that her ambition... Like, a, a lot of the ideas that she's been developing were prior to futurism. That's well, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, yeah. But Marinetti, of course, has got ideas of words in freedom sure. long before he has his first futurist manifesto out. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of these people are dabbling with some of these ideas. But I, I, I do yeah, think but that she does clearly, see... Yeah. It did have well, that hold over certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think there was something of an infection in terms of the ideas. Maybe not... In terms of the actual output, we've oh, already Thomas, looked at some of that. there's an infection, we need some war, clearly. Oh, that's mm-hmm. right. But, okay, well, yeah, let's go straight in. Let's go straight in. <clears throat> did you like it? I did like it. There were lots of points of, about it that I thought were very beautifully written. Um, in terms of, uh, so as we've, I think we've already mentioned, uh, it's this is first published on the 25th of March, 1912, uh, and... Uh, we're going to be dealing with mainly uh, the translation by uh, Mary Ann Kors. That's C A W S, uh, Mary Ann Kors. Um, but we're also maybe at least once going to refer to the Lawrence Rainey translation, which is from the Futurism, an anthology, mm-hmm. um, because there's one particular word. In fact, I'll, I'll bring it out in a moment. Um, but it's those are our two translations. Yeah. Now. Key points about this manifesto. These are the key theoretical ones. Femininity and masculinity, which she then uses as a theory of greatness, history, and life. Mm-hmm. What is femininity and masculinity, at least for a first run? What does she first say about them? What does she first say about fem- uh, femininity and masculinity? Yeah. What do we understand as femininity and masculinity from... Sampois, at the beginning. It's our first run. <laughs> but what do, you mean by, what do you mean by the beginning, Thomas? Oh, right, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I do, <laughs> yes. Uh, I cannot read your brain. Yeah. Masculinity is brute animal. Yeah, okay. Femininity yeah, is only female. Or, in uh, the rainy translation... Girl, mm. 
yeah. to be only a female or in the other translation to be a girl. Which I find to be an interesting change because if you suddenly read that what is femininity, it is to be female, that's not very informative at all. Well, well this but is then when quite interesting. Yeah. To be, a, to be a girl, I don't know whether that's because of the original <clears throat> is ambiguous or because Rainy has then changed uh, the, the rendering because of what happens subsequently. That's why I say as a first run because maybe, we do maybe, get some ideas about mm, what it isn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Valentine said fee, which would, which would mean, you know, girl. Mm. Um, it's important. It's an important, it's an important point though, because does she define women or femininity as opposed to masculinity? Yes. Right. Uh, that's, so, uh, so femininity is, directly. Right. No, exactly. But, I, I, but you still wind up understanding yeah. that femininity is still defined as opposition to or yes. negation of masculinity. And in some she way. says that human, every human being is a combination of masculine and feminine. In particular, heroes mm-hmm. have a very particular balance of masculine and feminine. To have, we get this semi Aristotelian golden mean idea of if you're far too masculine, you will be but a brute. You will, yeah, exactly. Or if not, you will be but a girl and it, or but a, you know. And she goes on to this. This is where you start to get the theory of history uh, and of a great human life being put forward because uh, those periods that had only wars with a few representative heroes because the epic breath uh, uh, flattened them out were excessively virile periods. Those that desired the heroic, uh, th- sorry, those that denied the heroic instinct and turning towards the past annihilated themselves in dreams of peace were periods in which femininity was dominant. So you get this yeah. idea of masculine peri- uh, uh, masculine uh, dominance in terms of excessive periods of war to the point where... Oh, the great days of Sparta, Thomas. Oh, well, th- I think there's some sort of idea of artistic and intellectual excellence being put forward here. I think the heroes, because they're just dying. <laughs> That's yeah. the problem. The ideas don't live long enough because they all just vanish in these just bloody wars. But then, and I, I love this phrase of annihilated themselves in dreams of peace mm-hmm. oh that's wonderful I really like that that's one of the things that I just loved about this it's wonderful juxtaposition there but I guess I guess for for a futurist uh, I'd either either are equally terrible in a way no I mean if, if you die too young I guess there's the glory of battle or something but, you but you're not gonna be long. you're not gonna be making any more stuff are you you're not gonna be making any more airplanes or, or paintings and if you live peacefully you're not going to be making airplanes or paintings either. So I guess they're both annihilation of a kind. Yeah. Well, you, I think so. I think so. That's the idea that she's saying that you need to have both and that inherently everyone has both as an individual, but also in terms of spirits of the age, there can be called periods of dominant masculinity, periods of dominant uh, femininity. But what's interesting is, as part of this idea of... This is why I was saying that Mm -hmm. we're going to actually see these ideas get thickened out. Um, With that, uh, denying the heroic instinct and turning towards the past, that's when uh, those are those periods where femininity was dominant. Mm -hmm. So something about to be feminine is also to turn towards the past. It's to play it safe. It's to be peaceful. Uh, and, And when you're doing things like that, you're not allowing your whims... To, to come out and be exercised. Because that's unsafe, right? That's introducing new things. 
You can't have any old ideas. You have to be proper. Things have to be done in a certain rigorous way. And it's the same way that we've done them for a long time. And that's how we sustain order. Mm -hmm. But then if you have war where ideas are just exploding everywhere, you end up having something of a might makes right uh, intellectual idea as well as a physical idea where everyone's dying around you. So she, so she has a, a golden mean type of, of, of approach. Yeah, very yeah, roughly, yeah. I think. But it, it's interesting that this, this, uh, she has this basic idea of femininity and masculinity. Yeah, and that phrase... But it goes yeah. from individuals, but also to, you can assess the periods of body, time. Yeah, yeah it, it, the, this phrase is pretty great. It's absurd to divide humanity into women and men. It is composed only of femininity and masculinity. That's quite cool. And that... Yeah. I think I think I spoke a little bit about maybe when we talked about the scorn for women in mm. in uh, specifically it, in nine declaration nine um, that it's almost as if Marinetti was getting like almost getting at something that he couldn't quite see clearly and was missing the point, but he was almost seeing how stifling female gender roles of the time were mm. and can be. How, how stifling all of these social expectations were, how they would trap you in these endless traditions. And futurism seems to have, at least on face value, the possibility to make these things malleable, to make the past malleable, I mean, not malleable, to destroy it and get rid of it and start anew. But he doesn't quite get there. He, he still sees it as a fundamental part of women. You know? He doesn't make that separation. But Saint-Point starts to make a bit of a separation. Not fully, as we'll see, no. but then again, we do have to keep it in context of the feminism of 1908 and 1910 and 1911, right? It was not nearly as theoretically advanced as it, it is now. No. Um, and they had very concrete political goals and, you know, so on. But here, that's yeah, pretty... She, she's, she's making that big distinction between and it's a new idea we between gender and before. sex we right? it's, it's, it's offering some more conceptual mm -hmm. apparatus to uh, futurist theory sure now Sam Poirot doesn't use this word I'm going to use this word but uh, I think when we talk about femininity and masculinity for her they're better understood as something like drives mm. something like mm. uh, motivations or characteristics within an individual um, and that these balances can be somehow fixed. It's un she doesn't have a sophisticated account of whether you can somehow be convinced to become more other or whether there's some mm -hmm. sort of education process or whatever. Um, but, uh, but there's some sort of suggestion that they, the balance can be redressed. Yes. Um, and we've already said that this applies not only to the individual, but to the spirits of the age and uh, general kinds of periods of time, she has a proposition that the time that has just passed, or rather that's not long gone before, and that they're currently in, is a time that is excessively feminine. Mm -hmm. There's too much loving of the past, too much playing it safe, too much sentimentalism, mm -hmm. too much love of the family. And this is, again, what the idea of femininity means here. I already yeah. said that it meant female or girl, but then we don't get any more of that. We get, well, if periods of time that have been excessively uh, past loving, well, that is to be uh, where femininity was dominant. We'll also see that ideas of sentimentality and ideas of the family 
where women want to be monogamous with their partners uh, and they have children that they want to bring up in a specific way and that they love and care for and that have ties to the mother and perhaps to the family as a whole. This is also what femininity means. And she thinks that this is the period of time that they are in, but that what they need now is to move right over. And this is kind of Aristotelian as well, where he says in the Nicomachean Ethics that if you've got too much of this vi of one vice, of one extreme, you need to have a little bit too much of the other, and then eventually you'll balance out. So you, if you're excessively cowardly, if you'd be a little bit too brash at times, sure, you'll get it wrong, but then you'll eventually even out to be appropriately brave or courageous. In this case, she says, we must now take the model of the brute. What do you think of that? I mean, I guess to, I guess she, in that sense, she does seem to agree with Marinetti. She just agrees that women, she just thinks that women can become brutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, by brute, she means, of course, masculinity, but. Yeah. I mean, in, in but here, for, for instance. But what she means by masculinity. It's horrible. What we most need, whether men or women, is virility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she thinks that that's the problem, that the, the, the dominant uh, 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 quality of their age is femininity. Yeah. It's too to much. Re to too restore a certain virility to our races benumbed with femininity, we have to compel them to virility, even to brutality. No? We must impose a new en doctrine of energy in order to arrive at a period of superior humanity. <sighs> You've said the key section, I think. This is where she defines herself as futurist, I think, and also mm -hmm. where we get her critical insight on what it really means to be futurist. It's energy. It is energy. It is energy. The dogma of energy. That That's seems an right interesting choice word. That's a choice word, though, dogma, isn't mm -hmm. it? What do you... Oh, like dogma. That it's dogmatically held. That it's not put forward like, oh, mull it over. You think about it. Critically engage with the idea. No, 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 no. Dogma. This is what we're laying down. You will accept it. I mean, everything has to have, has to be dogmatic to some degree, no? Is that futurist, though? To be dogmatic? Yeah. Sure, they've got manifestos that clearly outline their thoughts, but they're also against the academies. To some extent, they're, they hate themselves. We know this. The first they, manifesto they says they, they, they that they we will themselves. go out. That's why they're huddling around a, 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 an aeroplane engine for warmth. But you'll kill us. You'll find us and kill us. It's a bit, it's a bit I, but I think this question is a bit like trying to talk about, like certain discussions of time or, or of, of the present or something. You know, that you, you can't ever speak of the present. You, Do you I don't know, know why I'm, they call it the present. Because it's a gift. <laughs> oh. oh, God. So no, but sorry. It, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, but it's because I think it's. <laughs> I mean, I whatever happened. It's a, he looks so sad. Yeah. The little boy looks so sad. <laughs> His face has dropped and he's gone bright red. Uh, I hate you. So, it, yeah, look, whatever. It, you, you're going to. At some point, you beg a question. Yeah. It's just about which one you pick. You think you, you cannot beg a question and say something? Fight me. You, you will always beg a question at one point. You, you have to, just not which one you pick you to beg. unless you believe in fundamental propositions. I mean, aren't you begging a question there? What, uh, in the answer to Agrippa's trilemma? Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have to answer one, one way, one of the three ways. 
Well, no, but the point of a foundational proposition or concept would be that it's self-justifying in some respects. Oh, yeah, yeah, You just look at it and it's just obvious. So you wouldn't actually choose, oh, we're going to do this Mm -hmm. and therefore begging the question. You'd find something and they go, oh, yeah, that explains it. At least in principle. Mm -hmm. But what if someone disagrees with you? Well, then there is the philosophy of disagreements that you can study. Yeah, but that one Whether just you, you wind up. Yeah, yeah, no, but when, but you wind up with brute disagreements about those things, and then you're you're screwed. You're back in the same place. Well, in principle, you there's have there's a few things you either you either do that. Oh, there's like three up. There's like two there other also, yeah. strategies for it. But in 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 any of them, you have some version of Agrippa's trilemma. There's it's either self-justifying or or self-evident, or it has a, a different structure. It, none of them are particularly convincing. Well, well, in principle, though, you were, if you've come across this self-justifying idea, a proposition, then you say it to someone, and if they think about it in the right way or something, you assume this kind of general thing of, if they think about it in the right way, they'll, they'll attest to it. That feels Except. dogmatic to me, though. Isn't that somehow dogmatic? Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be laid down strictly. It can be more of a loose hope. <laughs> loose hope. Oh. We always start with the principle of charity, remember? We always now, have to give now, the argument for now you know, And now you know the, 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 the profoundly poetic core of all of Thomas's beliefs. At the bottom is but a loose hope. But a loose hope. <laughs> That's not too bad. At the bottom of Pandora's box or jar was, in some versions, hope. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because it's either mm. hope that maybe human beings will always live in spite of their demons. Or it's only, or it's only hope like the, like the grapes hanging over the guy whose name... Oh. The fox? No. Fox. See, now this is ruined. I, I was going to mention a, a Greek myth, the one where... There's... Aesop's fables, the, the fox. No. And the sour grapes. No, not the sour grapes. Uh. I don't want to talk about that. That's a ter- I hate that example. It never, it, I never understand the sour grapes example. In philosophy. Since we've mentioned but, it, since uh, we, should we just do it briefly? The story of the sour grapes is that there's a fox who tries to reach for these grapes on, a tr- on, the, on the vine, can't quite reach them, and because of the failure then goes, ah, well, they were sour anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's it, that's it, that's but the But isn't story. that, I always thought that it was more that the fox then gets some grapes that are lower down that are sour, but he thinks them sweet. Is that, is that another, there could very well be another version. And there's probably I'm several familiar, versions and yeah. everyone uses their own little version for their own specific problem. I'm only familiar with the first part. I don't know what I was saying. I don't know what I'm saying right now. What are we talking about, Thomas? Let's go back to what we're meant to be talking about. We, were, we, we stumbled on to talking oh, yeah, no, about no, 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 foundational no, 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 principles. No, no, no. We no, no. talked about look. dogma. I asked you about the idea of dogma. Because <laughs> no, I look, thought that that was look. an interesting Yeah, yeah, but like, wait, wait. I, wanna finish. I wanted to say the thing about that Greek okay, myth. Okay, no, I brought us back, though. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's that, uh, you know, there's like a, tor- a, a torture for this guy. Who, a torturer? He's being tortured, kind of like Sisyphus. Right. Um, and he has... Uh, a bit like some grapes dangling above him that are just out of reach while a crow pecks at his liver you this is uh, this oh you're talking about um what's his name what's his face prometheus oh that is is it prometheus it is prometheus yeah, it's prometheus then there we go it's prometheus wouldn't that He's have tied been... to a chain to a rock to have his liver plucked out wouldn't that have been beautiful had i had i gotten that right oh it would have been great 
Anyway, uh, I just wanted to address, stress you. Yes, the, I call the dogma of energy. energy. Yeah, and I think that's the key defining thing of futurism. I don't think it's the only one. But I don't think it's a dogma necessarily. Much. Just because it's a core idea doesn't mean it has to, it has to be a dogma. They have many many things to justify mm. the energy, like more energy or like. The, the the future or you know whatever I mean well I, I, it, it doesn't have to be like a, a a fundamental justifying like brick in their theoretical enterprise that they're they're also very very uninterested in that yeah. uh, uh, to be honest yeah. I I don't anyway. think energy actually is enough to define what futurism is mm-hmm. because you'll see energy is actually the heart of punk and a load of other things. The, the reason I specifically wanted to address yeah. the dogma thing uh, was I was trying to excite some sort of idea of maybe people have to listen to us. We're going to lay down the law. Yeah. You heed it. And this is how it's going to be. And so uh, rather than be, I'm try- going to try to convince you with some sort of argument or something like that. So, so you, you're saying I completely missed the point? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did. Well, anyway, that was a that was a last ten minutes of your of your life, listener. I know. You, um, you got a digression to the yeah, no, Agrippa's trilemma, foundationism, yeah, yeah. a little bit of the fox and the grapes <laughs> that, we, that of, we clearly don't understand. We have no idea what we're talking about there. Well, we we. Do you know how you defend this? How? You call it uh, a holistic thinking. Oh. You call it natural thinking. We're covering all bases, oh, leaving yes. no stone unturned, seeing what wisdom we can gather from other things and then bring it back. Okay. That's what you say. Get a full picture. Time to, time to bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you say if you end up going off at a tangent. Time to bring it back. I'm going okay. to do that when I'm so, in my 80s. I'm just going to say, well, I'm off at a tangent. <laughs> you have to look at things holistically. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's, let's move on. <laughs> let's let's, let's, get, let's get moving. Course. Let's get moving here. Now, oh, I don't know whether you want to. If you don't want to take this one up, please feel free to move on. Um, but was that time really peaceful and safe? Which time? Uh, uh, Sampoir's time, nineteen twelve. Has the preceding few years really been a time of excessive femininity and, and calm, as, as she understands it? Uh, no. In terms okay, of like okay, their past so, so loving, we've seen it in Venice. So, so Marinetti look, doesn't like Passo's Venice. He's hating the Venice. Yeah, there's there's They're a few there's, there's there's a few things. Um, this is a period that is defined. There's there's the there's neoclassicism going on, no? That it's really has it peaked? Is it peaking? Is it continuing? It's difficult. It's one of those things that keeps creeping up. It keeps it? creeping up, and it appears in different moments and times. But the 1800s did have yeah. loads of neoclassicism, and the Renaissance in general. I, I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, was a moment when I guess you looked back to move forward. At least that's what it's told. And because I don't know anything really about medieval history, I'm gonna gonna go ahead and spout this stuff. But sorry, if yeah. I can just interject there. I, no, I think it's that idea that Marinetti expressly hates. It's that Platonic idea of, um, and you see this in the we abjure the uh, we hate the symbolist masters. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they want, we hate these people, not only who look back, but the people who wanted to create works of art that live forever, that are mm. 
somehow perfect that just live on. No, 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 no. We have to have works of art that are terrible and that just live inherently as creative uh, 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 stimuli. They just have to be bang out and they're done. And that's sufficient. That's that's their justification. Oh God, that's so. That's... The flash in the pan idea yeah. is creativity. The ideas of I'm going to create something that's perfect, uh, something like Michelangelo's uh, Vatican La Pieta. This idea of perfection in the arms of humanity and of a mother loving her son, and this sure. spreading out universal something issue. something yeah. universal. This is this is mm-hmm. disgusting to Oceans. him. Especially since see, it's see, salmon I mean, marble. You, you say those things. I mean, and, and who who can who can love anything salmon colored, Thomas? I, I mean, I think only spent about only eight someone like David Hockney would love something salmon colored. <laughs> he likes that. He does. Yeah, he does. But no, so uh, uh, you've got that idea going on. There's also not in terms of the art world. And in literature, what have you got? Okay, got before, before I wanted to say something. Expressionism. That when you say those things, I just think so strongly that futurism, futurism won or had this massive, massive impact on everything. And there's so many movements afterwards when you get into the more conceptual stuff and things like ready-made and stuff like that that is purposefully designed to be banal and pointless. That is literal trash. Um, Somehow transfigured, oh. but it is trash. So you don't like it, the Ready made is trash. Like he found some trash and he put it and he made it into something new or whatever, but it's trash. You mean like the the wine bottle thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, the, it's, it's it's all they're, they're kinds of garbage. Yeah, like a species of garbage. Um, but I guess you know, transfigured garbage into stuff people will pay for and put in museums and. It was good when he did it. But there's these other... and I don't know if Duchamp exactly... Because I doubt he did start ready-made. But I'm thinking more like the sort of later, yeah, yeah, worse yeah. ready-mades. Well, I mean, Duchamp's going to be with like, the Dadaists. Like that guy that strapped the lettuce to a brick that's in the MoMA. Oh, and like the banana strapped to the wall that was recent as well. Oh, yeah, Someone that, ate the banana. Oh, that shit, whatever. I mean, all, yeah, all, 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 all of that stuff is really futurist. But really degenerate. It's like a really degenerate version of futurism. It's not enough finance, though. For it's them. just melted into this like boring, stodgy. <laughs> anyway, whatever. You're getting my hot no, takes on yeah, the contemporary yeah, no, stuff. No, please, this um, is good. This is good. I, I'd like to see it being brought back. So How boring, do these ideas yeah. impact the way that we react to things today? I just want to go back to the idea of energy here. I really do think that it's the core of futurism. However, it's not the only core. Mm-hmm. Where does the where does Marinetti's scorn for women come from? Where does his love of violence come from? I think they are. To I some mean, extent, I think I think they just, come from his from his small bruised ego. I think because there there are plenty of ways, at least here, to to do things differently. But they at least don't come from energy. But before itself, we continue, no, yeah. But but know. before we continue with that, I, I want to talk a bit more about about this this. Yeah, text. go for it, please. Women. Oh, man, here I'm going to see. You told me, Ariel, you should practice these pronunciations before the podcast. And I said, come on, Thomas. And then I read them out comedically. Yeah. If you haven't noticed, I just give everything that I, okay, I can't so here read we go. to Ariel. Women are the Ernies, Amazons, Semiramides, Jones of Arcs, 
John Hachettes and Judiths and Charlotte Cordays, the Cleopatras and the Messalinas, the warriors who fight more ferociously than men, the lovers who incite, the destroyers who contribute to racial selection by smashing the fragile, acting through pride or desperation. Quote, the desperation that gives the heart all its power. May the coming wars elicit heroines similar to the magnificent Caterina Sforza, who, while her city was under siege, looked down from the heights of the walls at the enemy forces, threatening to kill her son in order to force her to surrender, and showed them her sex, screaming, Go ahead and kill him. I still have a mold for making more of them. That's great. Ugh, that was you, great. Read yeah. a bit quick. A uh, little quickly uh, there. However, uh, oh, you yes, did mention the, me. Yeah, yes. the Sforza story. Yes. I think that's... Just to linger on that, because that's what we... Isn't that just quite the anecdote? Wow, oh my an god! Anecdote. Yeah. When someone's threatening your son, <laughs> to then go, yeah, go ahead. I've but that's 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 exactly more. what she wants. It that's, is. That that really embodies her version of femininity. It is, and we'll see this in the manifesto of lust as well mm-hmm. next week. But I mentioned that part of her idea of femininity is the destruction of the family, yeah. which includes not holding men down. She thinks that no men should be encouraged to sow their wild oats or whatever. And yet, her version of femininity still has uh, childbearing and, to a degree, child rearing, like really at its center. Certainly, child bear, uh, sorry, uh, bearing. Some amount of rearing too, no? Uh, yes. Not 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 in a caring way, but not in a, in a caring way. But in a maybe Do like not raise like, your children for yourself, she says. Maybe like in an Emil kind of way, you know. Well, Rousseau's Emil, mm-hmm. where he says, "Is it? Let them run around in the garden yeah, until yeah, they're yeah. like six or something or seven. Yeah, yeah, no, he does. Uh, don't just, introduce just, them to any like mathematics or learning until they're about twelve, thirteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's probably terrible. That's probably terrible advice, isn't it? Well, that's, anyway, that's a anyway, that's a, but but that kind of yeah. I think it's a little different though. I mean, he's got the idea of children are inherently good. I don't think Sampois cares about morality. There's no ethical dimension to it. It's just the idea of the energy, the anger. Mm-hmm. But later on, well, actually, hell, I'm going to ask you now. Yeah. She says you need both masculinity and femininity. She talks a lot about masculinity and applies it to this time and gives an example of this Sforza who seems to be demonstrating the right amount of masculinity in her when she says, you know, kill the son. I don't care. The total dissolution of the family. Um, But why does she want femininity at all? Why does she say it has Mm. to be a balance? Not entirely sure. I have a rough idea. Go, like, tell me, uh, tell me, because I, I'm, I, I'm not entirely... I, I go back and forth, because I think there are reasons, and other times well, that's all quite brutal, yeah. Well, because I think the closest we get to this is when she says that in times of excessive virility, you just have the endless wars and the ideas never mm-hmm. survive. I think that's the problem, that from uh, the femininity, from femininity as she sees it... Mm-hmm. Um, you get peace, you get order. It gives you the right amount of cohesion to get some of the ideas across, but then the virility will come through and smash it down, and then the femininity will pick up the pieces and order it again, and you sort of have that back and forth between the two. If you just have endless um, 
just endless virility. I, I think it just annihilates itself so you have nothing at all. So, so she, she gives women another, another place. Perhaps, perhaps this, is, this, is, this is probably the most problematic, to mm. use a, a, a word, um, part of the manifesto. Yeah. Is the role she gives women in choosing uh, the race, as it were. Um, but she, she does give that quite, quite important. So, when you take up your weapons, women will furbish them. Once again, she will contribute to the selection of the race. If women have not always known how to discern genius, since they have judged by, pa- by passing renown, they have always known how to reward the strongest, the victor, he who triumphs with his own muscles and courage. Women cannot err concerning the superiority which imposes itself brutally. So that, that is one, one duty she seems to, to bestow on women. Um, or I guess an inherent one, I don't know. But well, that she, that a woman can bear children and therefore has to be judicious in choosing, no, nah, I'm not having any kids with them. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's something she sees as very important. Or at least as a way of justifying like woman as futurist, not necessarily as, as woman full stop, but woman as futurist, perhaps. Well, I don't suppose that Valentine de Saint-Pois is going to be going for someone who's, you know, the old idea of the pipe and slippers kind of guy who's just sort of <laughs> sitting at home. Like, oh, yeah. Are you going to go out, like, vandalizing the streets? No, I think I'll stay in. <laughs> Maybe do a bit of reading. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. <laughs> she's, not, she's not interested in this kind of person. Mm. But no, um, what you just read out there, at the beginning... Uh, you read out the first two uh, uh, paragraphs uh, from the manifesto, yes. as well as then what we actually get. Well, it's as close as we get to clear declarations of we oppose and we declare with the we oppose. Enough of those women whose arms are twinning, twinning flowers uh, uh, resting on their laps, etc., etc., domesticating men for their personal pleasures or material needs, enough of women who create children just for themselves, etc., etc., enough of those women, the octopuses of the hearth, whose tentacles exhaust men's blood and make children anemic, women in carnal love who wear out every desire so it cannot be renewed. I think she's also thinking that some sort of domestic bliss is ultimately stifling to creativity and to the woman, passion. In fact, the woman who keeps a man at her feet with tears and sentimentalism is inferior to the prostitute who impels a man by prompting him to boast, to preserve his domination over the depths of the city with a revolver in his hand. This woman at least cultivates energy that could eventually serve better causes. Sorry, do you mean um, a woman stopping war is infe- inferior to a whore? Yup. <laughs> Just to bring my rhyme out again. Thomas is a fan of limericks. <laughs> I like some poems. Mm-hmm. But no, there's something interesting about that. Is that she... Because that's from the, that's from the very end. Um, that's yeah. The conclusion. It, 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 but it's it, instrumental. Yes. She doesn't actually say that they are superior inherently. It's instrumental. Or, 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 or. She, thinks, she thinks there's an inherent violence and cruelty to women. Yeah. But the, why is... Why is one superior to the other for her? Which? Violence or cruelty? No, 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 no. <clears throat> of, um... So, of, uh, uh, for instance, the, uh, women too... Well, 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 you find that bit. Women too long corrupted by morals and conventions return to your sublime instinct to violence and cruelty. 
Yeah, that's a, I mean, she's trying to bring out the masculinity idea, like mm-hmm. that everyone is a, some sort of hybrid of both, and that that's redressing the balance. But it was that section of uh, woman who retains man through her tears and her sentimentality is inferior to the prostitute who incites her man. Yeah. Now, you think that, because you then, as you said, through braggery to retain his domin- uh, d- domination over the lower depths of the cities with his revolver at the ready, that somehow she could be controlling him. Um, and the idea of using um, ideas of sexuality and physicality and various kinds of psychological states. As control. As control. Uh, and that. But all of that is at the at the service of energy. At least she cultivates an energy that could serve better causes mm-hmm. than the woman who's keeping her going, oh, no, don't go, and all this type. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. still, but it's still only, it's still only instrumentally valuable to that. So I think that's the idea that at the end of the day, human beings, for Valentin de Saint-Point, and probably for all futurists, I, I feel quite confident in putting this out for, for all of them. Lives aren't ends in of themselves. No, it's lives the don't, energy and lives don't the raw ma- passion. Lives don't yeah. matter. Yeah, really. They don't. They, they from the first one we should have got their Marinetti, death wish. yeah Marinetti thinks you can do away with women and, and have sex with robots or something um, <laughs> it's true and can, there is a suggestion is, well I mean in his, his novel is literally that yeah um, and, and birth the machine man and, we like the term hybrid the hybrid human yes the hybrid human is a much better term it's nice. It's alliterative, and also I think it, it brings out the idea of that metal flaked Marinetti yeah. from the first one. But there, there, there Again, is a death wish. So, so You're do welcome. you do you think? Yes, but do, do you? <laughs> Bastard! Don't do, swear. I did swear. No one heard that. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, <laughs> what what do you what do you what do you think? I think I think we can we can start making some conclusions. Yeah. If, if nothing else, conceptually, we have some additional apparatus mm-hmm. uh, to the Futurist project with the ideas of femininity and masculinity not only applied to individuals, but also applied to different ages. Um, we have ru- a rough idea of what it means to be masculine or feminine, according to Saint-Poix, but she attributes, I think, a lot to what it means to be feminine, like loving of the past. I mean, this is... I think a little bit rough. The idea of the brute animal mm-hmm. uh, and the cruelty and violence, that's all, you know, some old ideas that she gets from Marinetti who got them from elsewhere. Well, yeah, they're, they're not, I guess they're not quite th- there. But she is starting to bring femininity and masculinity into artistic dialogue in a way that I think is pretty pretty new at least to my very very untrained ears uh, I know I, I think I think um, so it's pretty interesting and although she she does say she isn't a feminist in fact we haven't mentioned this but she was in this radically against she says you must address women but stand against feminism I think actually this is we have to spend a, just a few moments on yes because it's going to be really important in the coming weeks Saint-Point, unlike Marinetti, as we'll see, is actually 
quite radically at this moment against the women's movement, like suffrage, as, as controlled by the suffragettes. Um, Marinetti is actually very much for them uh, because he thinks that they will succeed in getting the vote, but actually that that will bring down the entirety of parliamentary democracy <laughs> globally, virtually. Um, Saint-Point, on the other hand, thinks, no, 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 it'll be an error because they will get the vote, but actually the governments will, uh, will remain. Uh, you don't get that spelled out here. You just mm -hmm. get, but no feminism. Feminism is a political error. Feminism is a cerebral error of woman, an error that her instinct will recognize. We must not give women any of the rights claimed by feminists. To grant them to her would bring, down, uh, bring about not any of the disorders the futurists desire, but on the contrary, an excess of order. So that's because she probably thinks that the women of her time are far too much... Well, as, as with men, that they're all too feminine, that they're all too um, past-loving, uh, that they're all too excessively ordered. Sure. Uh, and that there isn't enough... And also... Aggravation and Yeah, and, and, and also there, there, there might be ways where... Um, here, Saint-Point might be more radical than lots of the feminism that was going on at the time. Mm. Um, I mean, we're gonna have to gonna have to to, to I guess explore speak carefully and explore week. further and explore f further next week. But I th yeah, actually, with with, with the manifesto we on lust, we definitely will because but there yeah. there was definitely a a sort of impulse in certain, at least like in Italian feminism at the time to not want, perhaps this was a political move, but to not say, yes, we will supplant men or anything. It was more, you know, we want to vote, or at least. So feminism then as now is a very, very it's very difficult to speak of it as a one movement. Yeah. If anything, now it's probably more united than then. Um, but even people for suffrage, there were like radically different kinds of, of suffrage yeah. movements. So you've had... You've had ones that are like that were like super racist on the right, and then you had ones and that very weren't classist, yeah. very very classist. Very, so, so it's, middle class women, yeah. Yeah, so it's all it's all quite quite messy. So I think Saint-Point might have been quite because there's some pretty radical stuff here about the I guess malleability of gender. I mean, when she speaks of woman, yeah, she doesn't seem to be speaking of women always. She, she's yeah. she's speaking of these concepts. Well, she doesn't believe in individuality, like, like exactly. That. And so there there's no... there is woman and there is man in everyone. Yeah, right. The feminine and masculine, because man and woman don't don't matter. It's feminine and masculine in everything. She recognizes um, basic biological processes. Uh, yeah, but but that's, but, she, about, but that's about it, it right? Whereas there's no roles. Exactly. Maybe at the time there was, I guess, a more conscious uh, attempt to be to sound more conciliatory with respect to traditional roles, at least. Mm. At least, I mean, it could be read as that, or that they were just into the roles they just wanted to vote. Um, so maybe that was a specific political move at the time. But I, I guess it'll be interesting to see. We have to think of Saint Point within that um, spectrum, rather than because from our point of view, we can say yes, this still seems painfully retrograde. Yeah. Not to mention the weird reading stuff in there that is like. You know, the whole improving the race stuff, which has not aged well. But then again, well, I, everyone mean, was into eugenics. She, uh, yeah. No, I don't think it means that, though. I think it, it, in terms of that, I think it's about just... You're I, not I think going it, to, you're I think not it going might, might mean that, though. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, From yeah, the yeah. manifesto itself, would you get this from something else that's supporting it? Because just from reading it, I don't get The destroyers that. who contribute to racial selection by smashing the fragile... <laughs> 
Yeah, she hates those who are excessively the slip, the pipe and slippers type, the, the type who aren't the adventurers. The I guess who, so, I guess so. I think You're right, okay, the, okay. I think it's Look, that I, I, will, I will choose to read it as that because... The, it's more provocative. I will choose to read it as that rather than the, than the really dark stuff. Are you doing the Marinetti, Marinetti-isms? We've right. heard your objections. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will, yes, I will dogmatically... I'm that, by the way. That's I'll, now a thing. A marionettism is when someone says, yeah, no, I've heard it. I don't care. Let's, um, let's hope, uh, listeners, please share your marionettisms to our social media. Um, let's, let's get it trending. Oh, my God, don't. And so to finish up then, I just want to say that we have one line here. Lust is a strength because it destroys the weak, excites the strong to exert their energies, thus to renew themselves. Next week, we will actually be picking up that idea uh, because we will be turning to the uh, Futurist Manifesto of Lust, again written by Sam Poin the year after, uh, where we'll see her dive deeper into the ideas of uh, lust, sexuality. We know that not only is Marinetti have problems with women, but he also has problems with the idea of romantic attachment, sentimentality, and possibly even with sex itself. Marinetti? Yeah, he was a real weirdo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, please join us next week where we'll continue looking at... And also, you know, point. Thomas, famously fascists have the worst sexual hang-ups. On that note, thank you very much for listening. (laughs)